tonight, we are talking specifically about singleness. And for those of you that are in here that are like, I'm not single, and if I would have known we were talking about singleness, I would have not come tonight because that's not something I'm interested in. Um, you're in for a treat. All y'all are in for a treat, but you're specifically the ones that are already in relationships or married, engaged, whatever, uh, because how many of you know you probably have some friends that are single? No? Maybe y'all have just relationship friends. I bet you, you have friends that are single. And I bet you at some point in your life, if you don't currently, you will have some friends that are single. And here's what's important for me. When I come to environments like this, it's not... I want to help you help you grow in your receiving posture, which is it's not always about what can I get from me. It's also about, God, what do you want to do in me for the other people in my life that are around me? And so this might be one of those nights that's like, hey, this is going to help you in your, maybe not where you are right now, but God knows who you're going to be around or who you are around and how he might want to grow you in preparation for that. And so that's also why it's valuable for you to be here tonight. I'm super glad that you are here, if that's you. Um, and then the rest of you, it's, it's going to be relevant for us as well. So with that, I'm going to invite up our guest speaker. Uh, will you help me welcome Pastor Kelly Schmidt up to the front? Welcome, Pastor Kelly. There you go. Um, I'm going to... Not yet, not yet. Will you see Alex? Alex it may not be that, Mike. It's on for sure. Well, hey, just to keep you excited, statistically, you might not be single now, but in your lifetime, statistically speaking, you will probably be single. Uh, even if that's the end of your life. So, that's good. fun fact. Yeah, that's I good. I like, I'm so excited. That <laughs> keep, you want to keep, keep trying that, Church right there now is made up of 50% of people who are singleness nationwide or single, whether that's through divorce or widowhood. So just because you're in one state now may not be your permanent state. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I'd also say in, in, terms, of, um, in, terms, of, uh, in terms of definitions, um, singleness also, in my opinion, I could, you, could be cha- you could challenge us, which is totally fine too, and other people might disagree. I, singleness is up until, in, in my mind, marriage there's a, or engagement. Even as you're dating, there's a singleness process until you've made that covenant commitment in marriage or the commitment to be married that I believe is a lot of, it's within that season. And so, I, and that, that's part of what I would describe as well. So even if you're dating somebody right now, you're still single in that sense of the pursuit of a covenant marriage relationship. Um, we'll talk more about that. So, Pastor Kelly, um, first of all, let me, let me, let me um, have you do just an initial introduction to who you are. No, let me start. Here's why. I, I, <laughs> I want you to know why she matters to me. Uh, you don't need to know that, but I want you to know that. Um, so I don't, I don't know when you, you, you had that initial meeting with Pastor John. It was earlier this year. May, June. Last year, I meant. Yeah, yeah earlier May last or June. year. It's almost a year, almost a year ago. Um, Pastor Kelly, she'll tell you more about who she is and how she's connected here, but here's, here's why it matters to me. Uh, Pastor John invited Pastor Kelly to come uh, and, and meet with him and myself and Ronnie, who's one of our, our pastors here as well, uh, and talk about ways that she can 
be involved um, in, in what God's doing in Living Water and maybe some surrounding church areas. And that she's got some history here she'll probably mention in a moment. But uh, Pastor John wanted me to meet, meet her as well because we had just begun talking about uh, coming together uh, with Restoration Church, which is a church that uh, is up in Lacey that we came together with over the summer and officially relaunched as Living Water Lacey Campus, uh, which my wife and I are now the campus pastors of. And he said, hey, Chase, I want you to meet Pastor Kelly. Um, she, she, will, she could be an incredible person for you to know and for you to pull wisdom from because of her experience as you do walk this transition out. I want you to meet her. So I met her, and um, I thought to myself, like, I don't, I just don't, I, without even knowing anything about you or even having any time to meet you, I, my initial assessment of, like, this moment was going to be, like, she's not going to want She's not gonna like me. <laughs> she's not gonna. She's not gonna be really about Chase stuff. Like, she's an academic. She's got a lot of other experience. I can't imagine what she wants to do is hang out with a younger, transitioned pastor coming into this place. And 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 I just did not feel like that was gonna happen. But what's happened over the last several months is um, God really brought Pastor Kelly into my life, Holly and I's life, um, and she's been one of the the single one of the single greatest encouragers in my life over the last six to nine months. And um, in a season where we've transitioned into campus pastors and our, a lot of things in our life have changed and it's been challenging, God has used her as a gift beyond her wisdom, beyond her experience. That's been a lot that she's imparted as well. Uh, he's used Pastor Kelly to just be a voice of encouragement. And in moments, a lot of the time where I've been discouraged or feeling insecure or unsure of myself. And so I, for me on a personal side, I know I told you this before, but just publicly, these guys, I want you to know, uh, I, I love Pastor Kelly. I'm so thankful for her life in, in the short almost year that I've met her. She's been a huge impact in, in my life, and it's primarily because of how she's just encouraged me. So she's here tonight, though, uh, because she brings a, a very important uh, perspective to the table in, in a lot of things that have to do with God, but in specific to this topic of singleness. That'll be my end of it. Will you... Give us an introduction into who you are. So uh, I went to high school in Olympia. Any Rams? I'm a North Thurston. Any North Thurston graduates? Okay. Well, go Rams. All you Cougars or Bears or Tumwater, Gooey Ducks, whatever. Um, I was not a Christian. I was not. I did not grow up in a Christian family. Now, in high school, I was seeking. My biggest love was basketball. And just to give you a... I graduated and I was like, looked at a map and I was like, what is the farthest college in state I can go to get away from my family? And that was Eastern Washington University and Eagles. Nice. All right. Eagles. So I went there. They also had a Division I basketball team that I was going to play at in my mind. But um, I was seeking for God. And the first weekend I was at Eastern, there was a sign for a Bible study and I went to it and I got saved within the first month. Uh, being in college. Uh, so much so, which there's a lot of stories I could tell, but so much so when I came back for Thanksgiving, my parents were really freaked out because they thought I was in a cult, but they didn't know what to do because they liked it. And so, because I was so much better, and I just, 
I fell head over heels in love with Jesus, doing ministry. Um, I was there at, at Eastern for four years, and then I went on staff with an organization called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which basically works with college students. So you have part of my heart because I worked for a long time with college students. And I was just in love with doing ministry. And so at this time, I dated, um, I think at one point there was a gentleman who thought about asking me to marry him. Um, there was lots of disasters. It's all great. Doing staff work intersect with my life, and I go to China and do a missions trip over there, and there happens to be a boy in China, and so I end up going back to China for five years, which was a great experience. Lots of stories there. Um, but that didn't work out, and so I came back. So I'm about, I uh, went to China when I was 29. And I can say when you're 29, relationships are on your mind. Came back from China, and I was, you know, 34. Relationships are really on your mind. So I washed up on the shores of Church of Living Water, had a, a tense relationship with the church. I hadn't grown up in the church. I'd done paraministry. So, you know, I was kind of looking at them with a side eye. But Living Water loved me, Pastor Tim, Pastor Bert, even Pastor John. And so for this conversation, one of the things when I came back to the States, I said, I really want to um, take this seriously of what are the next steps for my life. And I'd read a book, not a Christian book, but a book called The Year of the Yes. And what this book talked about it is said, so often we limit potential in our lives because we say no. And so what I did is I prayed and processed with the Lord. And so for five years, I said yes. I had a policy of saying yes. If someone asked me out, I did online dating, all kinds of things. And I walked through that experience. Um, as I continued to process, uh, I came to the end of that five years and I said, you know, I just don't think, and we can talk more about why that is, but I just don't think that's the place. But there really are no manuals for pursuing singleness in the evangelical church. So I had to look someplace else. So I read a lot about monks and nuns. And I don't know if you've, well, you've probably not read about monks and nuns unless you're a very interesting person. But wait, you don't just go and knock on the monastery door and say, hey, I want to be a monk, right? Because you don't know what you're talking about. And so there's actually a five-year process that you go through with different stages to be either a monk or a nun. So for the next five years, I formed a council of friends and staff from Living Water. And I said, hey, I feel like I'm going to go on this journey with the Lord and say, what would, what would it mean to be a lifelong single? And each year, there were different gradations of what that looks like. The first year was I, had, I just was like, I'm not going to be intentional. I'm not going to say no, but I'm, but I'm not going to be intentional. And at the end of those five years, um, prayed, talked to my community, and said, that's it, calling it. So that's about, I'm 40, um, and so I made a commitment to be single for the rest of my life. And now we're, I'm 52, if anyone's keeping score. So it's amazing. there's the short version. It's amazing. I'm gonna, we're going to talk more about that, specifically that, that part of your, your calling to be single. <clears throat> what are you, um, like, what are you doing right now? 
Like, why are you back? Why are you back here? Oh, and just so people know, like real live time. Where, what yes. Do um, so I worked for nine years at Living Water. Um, then I went down and worked at a church in California for six years. While I was down there, I got my master's degree and then went on to get my. I'm working on my PhD. And so COVID. So there's one thing. I'm I'm here because of COVID. My parents still live here, and I have a brother that lives here. And I am finishing up my PhD in organizational leadership. Um, so I'm writing my dissertation. So I was able to come up and care for my parents. And then because, you know, I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I met with John and we've known each other for a long time. I said, hey, where do you need help? And maybe this little thing that's happening over at Living Water uh, Restoration. And he's like, yeah. So I met Chase and have been having a blast. I do a lot of teaching. I'm a professor. I do a lot of speaking on different topics. So that's what I'm doing. Well, it's an honor for us to have you with us tonight. Um, and and especially because when we're talking about when we're talking about this idea of singleness, it's uh, it's one of probably the most unaddressed, mm-hmm. untalked about um, topics in the relationship, marriage conversation that is in the primary pipeline of the evangelical front of the church, marriage conferences. All these different things, right? That's the forefront. It, it almost, and I've, I've said this before, but you may have even caught it in your own uh, observations of culture, especially, but in, especially within the church. Uh, but, but it seems like marriage is worshipped as like the ultimate pinnacle of arrival. And you kind of have that within most of the, the cultural parameters of the church upbringing if you were raised in church. And then there's a lot of cultural, like um, societal, like, you know, parameters. But, but I mean, my church experience was a lot of the preaching was directed at, you know, a lot of the way they would communicate would be, you know, you and your family or you and your spouse or just doing things like that. And I don't think for the most part that it was like this intentional attempt to alienate people that were single or in a single season or a calling to a single life. But as a byproduct of just not being intentional, I think we've seen a reality at play where marriage is kind of this epitome. It's kind of this goal. That was my journey. I, for a long time, it was like, I, I, I can't really start my life until I'm married. And once I get married, then I can start my life. Then I could do what God's called me to do. Or then I could be happy enough, fulfilled enough, et cetera. Um, and yet, when we look at the scriptures and when we see prominent examples of people within the scriptures, and a couple to just highlight, Paul, the apostle, guy named Jesus, pretty solid man. <laughs> they uh, they lived in an embodied, Skylar, <laughs> so you just want to put yourself in the same category with him, that's good, I like that. Um, they, they fully lived in the calling that God had on their life and they were completely in they complete well Jesus especially obviously because of him being the son of God without sin but Paul as a imperfect vessel for sure but you know what we can see I mean he 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 made a pretty big dent in the world um they didn't miss anything because they didn't get married they were 100% lived in the calling that God had on their life and f- were fulfilled in the sense without having that component. So what that means to me is like, yo, that's possible. Why don't we ever talk about it? Why don't we ever address it? 
I have, I have feelings as to why we don't, but I, I more and more see this reality that like whether it's being single for a season or a calling to be single for life, that it's not a less than calling. It's not a second class citizen calling. Like you're not in, in the church. Now that's what it's been made in the church. If you're single and you're not married, I think a lot of people have uh, have felt like they're a second-class citizen. They don't have the same value. They don't have the same ability to influence. And so, and there's a lot to that. There's a lot to unpack. We won't be able to unpack all of it tonight. But, man, as I've gotten to, to know Pastor Kelly and um, just a, a glimpse of her story, uh, I thought, what an, what an incredible person to come and speak into this tonight uh, with our group. Again, whether you're in a season of singleness or God may be calling you to a life of singleness, or you know people that are single, right? Because you may not be in singleness, but you do know people that are. Uh, for us to just have a conversation around singleness tonight. And the, the kind of the first thing I'd love to talk about is kind of your, your thoughts on the difference between the season, a season of singleness and a, a calling of singleness. Okay. Well, I think let's just start off. Uh, you're talking about biblical. And let me just say that in church history as well. For if you look at church history for the first 1,500 years of church history, singleness and celibacy is venerated. And if you're a weaker Christian, you get married because you can't handle it, right? Just, just in case there's other people in the room like don't know what venerated means, would oh. you be willing to say that? Uh, it, was, it was praised. It was, it was lifted up. You were the good guy. Now, that all changes with the, the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. So we can thank Luther because Luther, he's like, I want a wife. Let's get rid of this whole priestly thing and let me, you know, get it on with my Claire or whatever her name was. Uh, so now I think, so here's why I say that. I say that because I want to make sure that you keep challenging yourself when you think of what does it mean to be, have a biblical view of either singleness or marriage, be careful how culture gets in there. And so really challenge yourself because, again, we look at church history, it wasn't the way it is currently now. Now, let me also say this. I have no problem with marriage. I am not bitter. I am not afraid of marriage. Um, in fact, and what Chase and I have talked a lot about is what I want to help you do is make healthy, good choices. I could not consider singleness until... I could, in a healthy way, deal with marriage. It is a bad reason. If, you don't, if you're afraid of marriage or you're hurt when you think about marriage, that's a bad reason to be single. On the flip side, if you're afraid of singleness, that's a bad reason to get married. So we want you to have good, good motives as you uh, approach that. And I do appreciate, I do appreciate the idea of seasons of singleness. If you are not married, you are in a season of singleness. I would say even if you're engaged, until you say the vows before the Lord, which some people get to the altar and they, you know, you, you are still single until the deed, deed is done. Um, but the other thing I would say is it may not be the whole consistency of your life for whatever reason. Life happens. It's hard when you're in your 20s to think about that. Uh, but it's true even, I just was watching a young couple that got married down in California, and they're newly married, married a year, and he just got into a motorcycle accident and broke his back. Now, praise the Lord, he's okay, and he's up and walking. 
But can you imagine, who plans that? You go, you know, honey, we're going to get married. We're going to have a great honeymoon. We're going to buy a house. And then right after we buy a house, you're going to get into a, a motorcycle accident and be paralyzed. No one plans that, right? But Jesus is still the Lord of your life regardless of your circumstance. I think that would be the biggest thing. Regardless of season or calling, you need to first make sure that your identity is on Jesus, not this, your state. My identity is not that I'm single. That just happens to be the state of my existence. I would hope that Pastor Chase's identity is not that he's married. Now, that, that influences him, but his identity is first and foremost in Christ, as is yours. So I think seasons of singleness versus... Um, Here's what I would say. For me, the difference that comes down to is, well, and there are people my age who still are not, they've not committed to lifelong singleness. They still hope to be married. I know uh, one guy I know, he was 76, who's a missionary in Taiwan, came off the mission field, got married for the first time when he was 76. Wow. It can happen. I know the pastor said it was the most awkward premarital conversation he'd ever had. <laughs> which I thought was funny, but um, I know people who in their 40s, 50s, so the difference for me is just like you take wedding vows, I made a vow to the Lord, and we can get into the implications of that, but here's what I would say to you. What I appreciate about traditional marriage vows is they usually have something that goes like this, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness, and in health. Get over the idea of Disney as the model for what marriage looks like. Because that is not a biblical model. And I think we get tricked because while Pastor Chase and Holly have made a vow to be together and for God to sanctify them and grow them in their character of Christ through marriage, He's just doing that for me through the state of singleness. So I don't know if I even hit that topic. No, for sure. Um, one of the things that one of the things that you highlighted <clears throat> that I think when I think about what I would want to challenge this young adult group with, you know, w w statistically, I, I can only imagine um, the people that are in this room that are not currently married that a majority of them want to be married. That does not take away that there could be some that even now might feel that sense of like maybe maybe God's calling me to a life of singleness. But the people that are single now, the majority of people that I have come in contact with, there's a desire to be married one day. Um, one of the things that I think would be cool for you to speak to is, you know, this idea of how, what do you do? How do you maximize? How do you take advantage of your season of singleness so it's not squandered and wasted and, and just the, the hopes and longings for it to end? You know, just so, could, would you speak into that yeah. space from your perspective as well? I think one of the reasons this trips me up is because my advice to you, if you're in a season of singleness or you're in a season where you're desiring to get married, it's the same. And so that's what's tricky is, so the first thing I would say to you is get as healthy as you can. So you're at a place where your life where I would suggest get to know who you are. 
Like if you've never taken personality tests, if you've never done some of those things, say, who am I? What is my identity, right? It, it all starts with your identity. If you know you have some issues or you've discerned there's some family issues, take this time to work it out because anything that you haven't dealt with, your marriage won't make it better. <laughs> or singleness won't help you escape it. Either way, right? If you have relational problems, being single, you may think it helps you, but you still got to relate to people on some level. So get healthy. Discern your values so you can help, um, you can help decide who should I marry. Work on relational, li listen to the Lord about what calling, and I know you want to talk about calling. Um, so I'm going to always, I'm going to tell you there's a nuance with all of this, but my advice, whether you're single or pursuing, because I assume if you're single and you want to be married, you're somewhere in pursuit, and that's okay. Now, here's what I'll tell you the benefits of being single. Uh, I told you really getting married or anything really didn't really cross my mind until I was 29, because I was having so much fun doing ministry. I was in full-time ministry, and when Paul talks about the difference between marriage and singleness, at one point in Corinthians, he says it all comes down to distractedness. Chase is a lot more distracted than I am. He has a wife and three kids. I have a cat. It's really different. Um, so now, is that bad? No, but it's something that when it comes to, he couldn't just pick up and move home to care for his family and do what I did. I was thinking today, I think I've given everything I own away twice in my life. Now, I know Pastor Chase has made sacrifices. He probably hasn't done that. Those are some of the benefits that I have that I, I've traveled all over the world. I've lived in China for five years. I've been to dozens of countries. There is a way that I am able to do those things because I have less and I, I hate to, I don't want to call children distractions. I don't believe they're distractions. But Paul says, hey, I'm less encumbered in some of those ways. I would say for me personally, I am an introvert. I'm very shy. Uh, lockdown COVID, I was like, oh, praise the Lord. We get to do things online. This is awesome. But I work in a ministry where I need to be a professional extrovert. Being Single has actually, and this is one of the things monks and nuns talk about, it has actually increased my capacity to care for other people because my affections are not placed on just one person. Pastor Chase and Holly are stunted in some ways because their affections are placed on each other, rightly so. So I have a great, greater capacity to care for people because... I'm not tied to anyone. I'm not just thinking about how can I please this one person. I'm like, hey, how can I bless a lot of people? Uh, there are benefits. You know, I don't have to ask anyone how to use my money. I bet you do. <laughs> now, here's what I want to say about that. The tricky thing is there, everything we can say is both good and bad. Sure. Because on one hand, I don't have to, uh, do I want that giant Lego Star Wars? Yes, I do. But on the other hand, I don't have a lot of people who process with me, is that a good financial choice? <laughs> well, hey, I do. Often Jesus buys me lots of presents because I'm his favorite. So, so <laughs> here's what I would say. And this may, I, 
you know, I said, Pastor Jason, you want to know what, a, but he can't predict, and so I'm a loose cannon. Here's what I say. I would not, if you think you might be called to, to singleness, um, and you are under the age of 30, I will laugh at you. Uh, and, I, and not in a mean way, but I'll say you need to live life and you need to go out and, and I would ask questions about where's your identity, how healthy are you? Um, and then I would say, now wait until you're 35. And I would probably challenge you to have some years of yes. And then if you said, no, I still think this is a reality, I'd say, okay, what's your process? How are you going to make this decision? Now, I would hope that you would do something like that, maybe not as intense. I don't think you need to date someone for five years before you ask them to marry you. I actually think that's a bad plan. But I hope you seek counsel and you involve people and community in that process. And you also take time to assess where you are. See how the advice is the same? It's just different context. Now, here's the really bad, bad news. Let's just be pragmatic. Anyone looked at the st gender statistics in the church these days? Okay, well, I have. And no women? Well, let's just look at the gender statistics in this room, which is actually pretty good. Good job, Chase. But if you look nationally, there are more women in the church than there are men. I'm sorry, ladies. That means that, uh, and I do not recommend marrying a non-Christian. I think that's, uh, you know, one of the other things that impacted me is I talked to a lot of people about marriage. And I observed my own, my own parents have been married for 56 years, which is so amazing, but it hasn't always been great. It didn't look like it was thriving to me. Talk to people who who've, are in a marriage that you go, hmm. Singleness or a bad marriage? And I just made the decision a bad marriage. Singleness is way better than that. But remember, we, we play by the rules that when you make a vow, now I want to be careful here, I do not, if you're in a spousal abuse situation, be safe. But you, hopefully your Christian ethic is that when you say, I do to the other person, you are making a lifelong commitment. It's a big deal. So one that should urge you to prepare yourself as best as possible, but it also should give you trepidation because you're making a big commitment. So think about it, pray about it. Um, I, although I do believe most people are be able to be married, one of the things when you look historically is all the other religions thought Christianity was so stupid because their best and leading scholars were single and didn't procreate. And so their brilliance died with them. But just because that's the cultural norm, you should, I would encourage you to really challenge and say, is this really what I want? Because if your motives are all about what I get and how it benefits, I am afraid, and Pastor Chase, you can speak to this, I think you're going to be very disappointed in marriage. 100%. And then you're going to be really disappointed when you have children. Because marriage and even having children is all about surrender and sacrifice and being a blessing this other person. Again, I wandered off topic. I'm so sorry. No, that's great. Um, we're going to, we're going to about, I'm going to have one more question segment and then open it up for a Q and R. So, um, prepare, prepare yourself. Think about the questions. Will you throw that slide back up, Sam? If you don't mind, man. Um, so, so 97,000 is the, 
the number, text the word LWYA if you haven't already kind of engaged that thread on your phone, whatever that looks like for you, and then send your questions in, and I've got them here, and we'll pick a few to, to connect uh, for a moment. So think about that. Um, do, you, do you feel like you, 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 top, you, you hit enough on the calling side of things? Yeah, you guys feel that's good, calling. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't believe in a calling to, to singleness. Or a I believe it's a choice. So I think calling, on what, so here's what I'll say about calling. You all need to be able to articulate your purpose in the kingdom. But the longer you live, the more basic that purpose is going to become. When I worked with college ministries, I thought I would be with college students forever. I loved them. When I went to China, I thought I was called to China forever. I loved the Chinese. When I worked at Living Water, I thought I was called the Living Water forever. Then I stopped saying that. So I wasn't surprised when I was only six years in California, and I'm not surprised by the next step because I'm like, I'm going to stop saying that. However, what I've done in all of those places has been consistent and is what I define as my calling. I'm a teacher. I'm a disciple maker. Now, how sad for me in that my unique calling in Christ is just the theme of living water. We're called to be disciple-making disciplers, right? Because I think the more you live, the more you go, it's really about basic. It's about raising up disciples. It's about serving people. It's about loving the Lord. It's about becoming more like Christ. But for you, you need to articulate, hey, in my own mind, what, what am I called? What's a contribution I'm going to bring? And then you need to decide what state do I want to live that in. And it's, it's okay. It's okay to say I want to be married. There's nothing wrong with that. Press in, be intentional about going, what does that actually mean? Ask people who've been married, tell me the real, what's the real skinny on marriage? The good parts and the not good parts. Um, so send your questions in. And, and as you do, um, the, the biggest takeaway as I'm listening, and I want to make sure is highlighted here, is that regardless of, singleness or marriage the what the, the thing that matters the most is the same and how you pursue the thing that matters the most is the same in your journey of wanting to be married one day or your journey of, of wanting to stay and remain single getting healthy pursuing Jesus uh, all of that stuff is only going to help you in that state um, and so <clears throat> I, if I could go, if I could go back into my season of singleness where I was just flat out obsessed with who my future wife was going to be, um, unhealthily obsessed, <laughs> um, you know, and some of you, some of you are like, you, Chase, you don't get how much I, I don't want to be, I'm, I'm lonely, I want so bad to have that companion, that partner, um, and uh, and I, I just, I think that thing that stands out is just that, like, no matter what your desire is or where you feel like you're going to go towards, man, you have an opportunity in this season to still get as healthy as you possibly can as you pursue Jesus. And that's only going to help you in whenever that next step of stepping into singleness or stepping into a relationship is. Uh, I love that because then you're not having to wait for anything. You can be actively pursuing that and doing that and pressing into you who you are as a your be you who you, who you be state 
uh, now. Uh, and that's really, really, really important. I think that's a good point. I would say one of the benefits of being in a state of singleness is to take some time because you have opportunities. If you get married, you have kids, it just gets more complicated. It's not that you can't do it. It's more complicated, right? Which is okay, but take the opportunity to explore, especially if you don't feel like you know yourself well. I also want to, I say get healthy. I want to be careful because I do not believe that you can't get married until you're healthy. <laughs> I've known so many people who got married and they weren't healthy. I believe there is a way when you honestly try to follow Jesus, I don't believe in the target right. picture of God's will. So when you honestly try, Jesus is there and he blesses you. But here's the deal. If you aren't healthy and you get married, the impact of your unhealthiness is compounded because there's another person involved. Now, that doesn't mean my health as a single person doesn't impact me, impact others. Sin always impacts others. But when you are married, it's, you know, being addicted to pornography is a much harder deal. So, Learn opportunities to get to know yourself and explore. And like I said, I think a good principle is if you're not comfortable being single, marriage is not going to fix what ails you. Yeah. I say that again just in case people don't. And I'll use simpler words for Pastor Chase. So now he's really the one. Um, if you are not comfortable being single for, I would even say for a year, Getting married won't solve that issue. It's a myth. There's a myth we could talk about. You know, I would anticipate someone would say, do you ever get lonely as a single person? Of course. But so do married people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, again, it's not the state that you're in. It comes back to how healthy I am. Where's my identity in Christ? What kind of community have I built around me? How much have I taken responsibility to deal with the stuff that I need to deal with? Adding another, when you get married, that person's issues become your issues in some ways because it impacts you and it impacts your family. Now, again, I'm not trying to down talk marriage. And believe me, if you feel like it's right and you're not where you're like, well, I'm still not figured out, that's totally fine. Go ahead and get married and then get right into counseling. That's not a bad plan. But just realize that you have an opportunity right now to get as healthy as you can. So when you are ready to make that commitment, marriage is work. Don't make it any harder than it has to be. That's so good. Okay. I got so many thoughts brewing around. This is, this is, this is so good. Uh, questions are coming in. Keep them coming as, uh, as we kind of hit a couple. This is, the, this is the first one that I want to I highlight here. It just says this. So... It's a conscious decision to be single for the rest of your life, question mark. If so, do you think it's possible you'll meet someone who changes your mind? I love that question. So brave. But I want you to think about that. Uh, now, a couple things. One, Jesus and I did have a conversation um, before I made this commitment where he told me I could get married and he would bless marriage. Because I think that's his nature. His nature is to bless, Right. But like, he said, in other words, God's not going to be like, oh, you made a bad decision. I smite you. You're, he's not. No, no. Um, 
But he said, very clearly, he said, but your life will be better if you're single because I'm a jealous God and I want you just for myself. So you may think you're God's favorite, but I am God's favorite. So, uh, so this question is, per- is pertinent on a couple things. One, I've made a conscious decision. In fact, I said I made a vow. So let's, let's go back to the other vow because I really want to create a parallel between marriage and singleness. So let's say this. If you got married and you made a vow and you found yourself attracted to someone else, would you break your marriage vows? Oof. So here's what that, that's behind that question. And I'm not trying to shame anyone here, but I want you to think, because here's the thing, you're thinking with a Disney mind. A Disney mind says, I fall in love, and it's this emotional experience, which it is. Hormones are real, but hormones don't sustain anything. And the problem with our view of Disney or rom-coms is it all gets wrapped up in two hours, and we never see what happened after. (laughs) And so the belief is, so there's two answers I would say to that. If I met someone and I was attracted to him, and he was attracted to me, first off, if he really knew me and he really loved me, do you think he would ask me to break my vow? Now, why is that pertinent? That's pertinent because I work with a lot of men, and there's a lot of issues in the church with men and women working together, and I think it's because we have such screwed-up views of relationships. Because here's my commitment. I work with Pastor Chase. I am committed to preserving Pastor Chase and Pastor Holly's marriage. And so I would never do anything to endanger their marriage. That is my commitment to the married people around me. Because endangering someone's marriage is not blessing them. So the first thing, if he truly loved me, I don't believe he would ask. Because he would know that I had made a commitment to the Lord. Now, what I can tell you is I would never let it get that far. But let's say it did. And then the second thing, I don't think he'd ask. The second thing is I would say no. But let's ask the question that's even further embedded that. Am I ever attracted to anyone? What do you guys think? Do you think people in marriage are attracted to other people? Okay, so let's start again that marriage is not a proof text for all that ails you. Right. And your commitment to marriage is that you are going to live out your vows. So I'm still human. I still have um, a biological reality. And here's one of the things. I think the church has told us that if we're attracted to someone, that's terrible and evil, and we need to shut that down. What I would say is that's human. Now, what we do with that attraction, that's on us. And so the first thing why this would never happen is because I do not entertain attractions. I feel them, but I don't press into them and develop them. Now, I do develop friendships. I am pro-friendship. I think while you are in the state, you should be developing friendships with men and women, groups. You should, any good marriage, in my opinion, is based on friendship and kindness. Lust and attraction often fades, and we change. Our bodies change. Um, So, no, 
for all those reasons. Does that get it? Any good answer? Great. A um, couple more. How does one handle desires to be intimate with someone if we are single since God, in the way they phrased it, since God did instill in us the design to be in union man and woman with man and woman as partners? I think, and then they reference another question. They reference Genesis 2.24, uh, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother one and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That Get, kind yeah, of just yes. reconciling that. So uh, one thing I would challenge you, great for putting in scripture, I would challenge you to go and to dig into what that passage means, because I don't think that means that God designed everyone to be married. So your happiness in your relationship with Christ is not predicated on the fact that you are married or single or born in the United States or rich or poor. Which is why Paul's a great example because he says, I'm content in all things, right? So again, remove that. Now, what Genesis does tell us is that it is not good for man to be alone. I don't interpret that as it's not good for man not to get it on. Okay, that might be part of it, but being, not having sex, no one has died from that. <laughs> some, some single person here needs to hear that, so say, maybe say it again. <laughs> no one has died from not having sex. I'm living proof. Okay, now, that being said, we are created as beings, we have desires, I can't think there's a couple things I'd want to say, which are going to be ridiculously off topic, but here we go. First of all, I would say pornography is hellish. It is diabolical. And so that's a whole different thing that you can talk to Pastor Chase about. Pornography is terrible. Don't do it. I think the church has made a huge mistake in dealing with people's natural sexuality. And... I think we've, we've made people, so we've done a couple things. One, we've said women don't struggle with lust. Ridiculous. Not true. Second, we've said to all the young men, you are beasts and you cannot control your lust, and that's all that defines you. That is not true. If you are saved and you know Jesus, he wants to work the Holy Spirit in you. And that includes self-control. Now, you still have to make choices. But I also think there's a way that, um, again, let's go back to the monks and nuns. You believe it or not, if you read monks and nuns, you would be surprised of some of the rules they have. I read um, Benedictine's rule, and one of the rules that they had is only one monk to a bed. What is going on? Okay, we know, let's, we know what's going on there. <laughs> Only one monk to a bed. Okay. But here's the I read a book about nuns, and it was talking about the Mother Superior, and this was so helpful to me. The Mother Superior was talking about what is, how does she counsel the younger nuns when they deal with masturbation? There I said, are we recording this? Because it delights me if <laughs> masturbation. If we are recording. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about masturbation. This is how the Mother Superior dealt with masturbation that really changed how I viewed things. And this needs to reflect your theology of sin. Because I think we have a screwed up idea of sin. If we look at C.S. Lewis, C.S. Lewis that says that sin is often the pursuit of something good done in a shortcut. 
So we often vilify the thing we're pursuing rather than look at what led us to take the shortcut. So this mother superior, when a, a young nun would come to confess, the mother superior said, tell me what led to that. What are you trying to fulfill in this way? So the truth is, I believe, while physical intimacy is great, hey, not going to knock that, our ultimate intimacy comes from the Lord. And so in those situations, what was going on? Were you lonely? Were you, was there something, did you watch something that prompted? Was there, was, is it your time of the, your cycle? We are biological beings and we have cycles and we need to be aware that there sometimes we're a little more randy than other times. Well, how, what do we do in that context? And then the mother superior would say, now ask Jesus for what it is you need because he's the one who supplies all things. What was the question again? She had gone off because I want that, to say I mean, masturbation. No, you, no, you really, no, you really, you really hit that. You really hit that. Just how do you handle the? Now desires. here's what I will say. Um, uh, it's different. Your 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 sex drive changes. It's different for men and women. Men, I want to speak to you. You are not lustful beasts. Do not let people put you on that. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to say, don't walk in shame for this. If you've got a problem, especially with pornography, get help because it's devilish. It's, it's diabolical. But also stop beating your up, beat yourself up so much because of a biological urge. The living water. That's my, after all these years, I have to say, one of the things I've had to repent of is I was a college pastor during the purity movement. And if you're familiar, what we're learning now is that was very harmful to people. So I want to say, if you have already messed up, you haven't. Jesus loves you so much, and he has so much grace for you. But don't take shortcuts to get to what is good. Because the devil is always a liar. That's why porn is was diabolical. Because the devil is lying to you. That is not intimacy. So talk to these women. If you are addicted to romance or you're struggling with pornography, same, same issues. So accountability, I'm not anti-accountability. I think where I would come out is I think we need to work on our friendship and getting healthy and not focus as much as beating ourselves up. We need to ask the question that the this mother superior asked. What, what need were you trying to satisfy and how, do we, how does Jesus satisfy that need? It's so good. And, and marriage, does not, marriage does not unlock your chains of impurity. Mm-mm. Like you, oh, I'm going to get married. Once I can have sex whenever I want, I'll be good. No, no, you won't. In fact, like you've mentioned, it, it can only um, at times, it can actually, it can, can be even more damaging because of the, the rejection and hurt space that is, can happen within a marriage if your pursuit, if you don't know how to find what you're really looking for and it being found in Jesus. Because I found time and time again, I'm going on 10 years of being married in October. <clears throat> and, and that's still young in marriage, but there's 
people that have been married longer in here um, that may have more to say to this. And, and we're going to actually talk more about probably the world of marriage next week with Pastor Tim and Dana Wimberly. But, but um, just, just to make sure you hear me say, like, as a single person, marriage is not going to solve the problem. I'll say two things. Number one, taking a vow to be single for your lifelong does not make mean desires go away. I, and that's so, such people go, I'm called to singleness. I'll never lust again. Bull pucky. That is not true. <laughs> we've, heard every, some new, we've heard some new words tonight. Is, everyone know? is different, right? Um, the other thing I'll say is if you're in a season of singleness and you're dating, my personal opinion is, well, I don't think uh, intimacy is bad. Normally what happens in a relationship is the more intimate you are, the less you communicate, and that's not great. Because really you, what you need to be doing is communicating. You're talking pre-marriage. Pre-marriage, yeah. yes, I'm talking pre-marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we could talk more about that. But So it's still, I mean, now here's the thing. I intentionally don't, there are times where I'm like, I cannot watch that movie. Because it will stir something up that doesn't need to be stirred up. Right. And that same principle applies even when you're married. When you're married. Absolutely. So I hope you guys, I hope you, I'm sh I know you have. God's speaking, highlighting some things. Um, and just for the sake of time, I want to honor your time and honor Pastor Kelly's time. Um, but I, I know, I, I hope and pray that there's something that you take away from tonight or a couple of things in and not that it's just information that's kind of, you know, running around your brain, but that it's stuff that, like, begins to kind of sink into your heart a little bit with where you are in this season of your life. Um, and uh, I want to I honor and, and celebrate you and your life. Um, again, we honor and celebrate so much stuff when it comes to the world of marriages. People get engaged, we celebrate. People get married, we celebrate. People have kids, we celebrate. We dedicate to all these things. Great things. I'm pro those things. For the record, I'm pro-marriage. I'm pro, I'm pro physical intimacy and emotional intimacy and all that in a relationship. I'm pro, I'm pro that. I'm in it. I, I got, I'm, I'm choosing that. But I'm also pro singleness. Because, because both can fully walk in the call, the call that God has for their life and they're not missing something. But I want to celebrate and honor your choice. Um, and even though it's a small group of people, it's still valuable enough for me to go, thank you for being as courageous as you've been and are and for for helping be a, an example to to the church and to the world um, that you really are choosing to find your ultimate identity fulfillment in Jesus and it's not like easy and um, but but to, the fact that you're doing that while still engaging in Christian community and allowing God to really use you in the Christian community, and you haven't just like island yourself, you know, which I think like even the world of monks, I think about that. I'm like, yeah, maybe they have to do that. They got to go, you know, live on this little island. Nobody can, you know, be, but you, you've just dove into community in multiple places and, and in our community now. And I just want to honor you and say thank you for that. And, and we, as a young adult community, I know collectively uh, are better because of you and our community, and because of tonight, and you imparting in, in, into us, so so thank you. Will you help me appreciate and just say? <laughs> yeah,